When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Sexy Art Stone. Oh, wow. <laughs> and with me, as always, is your co-host, tantalizing Andy Hart. You know, Art, I am feeling like a little bit of a finger-tapping solo. <laughs> look at you. Look at Listeners, Andy is playing a miniature guitar sitting on his tummy. Yeah. A little finger tapping. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to the show. Andy. Hmm? Time. Bow, 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 bow. Is that how that goes? No, that's money. <laughs> ah. <laughs> time is a funny thing, Andy. The passage of time. Time. It's a gas. It's a gas. Uh... Andy, the, the the way the the years go by, there's nothing you can never get it back. Andy, you can you can have as much power, as much money in the universe, Andy, but you can't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, summer's heat and winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. That's right, Andy. Beautiful, beautiful lyrics. I'm glad you just came up with them, Andy. But today's topic says that maybe we got it a little wrong, don't you think? Uh, it says that. Well, we didn't do anything wrong, yeah, we're but innocent. that some folks in the past uh, have misled us all. We're talking about the phantom time hypothesis. The wide-scale fabrication of events in human history. Andy, we are currently living, according to this hypothesis, in the year 1720. Well, uh, 1723. Tw- 20, right? 22. 1722. That's right, because 2017 would have been 1720. We're talking about a gap of 297 years, allegedly. That's right. In human history. Fabricated history. Listeners, uh, this one, this one's a heady. This is a heady one. It's going to make you think. It's going to give you a head. It's going to get you off. It's going to make you stink. So if you want to get right to it, you want to get to all that crazy time-bending action, why don't you go to the show notes and why don't you find the timestamp and you, just like this theory, can scrub Skip past ahead. 20 minutes of fake 
fucking time and go straight. You can find a timestamp in the show notes that will lead you as straight far to as you'll know. Art and I never had a discussion after you skipped ahead. That's right. It could be completely fake. <laughs> could just be twenty minutes of silence. You don't know. You skipped ahead. But if you want to do it, that's your prerogative. That's your choice. That's your prerogative. Look in the show notes, any app, you'll find the timestamp. Skip right ahead to the research. But Go first, Andy, <laughs> we got nothing to fabricate here. We're talking about the very real. <laughs> We're giving you the whole enchilada, and it's real, and it is big. That's true. Andy, we haven't said the whole enchilada enough, and that's one of our monikers. We that's... give you the whole enchilada. The titular Mr. Bunker has asked us to... Give you the whole enchilada, and by God, we're going to do it. Listeners, we're not here to fabricate anything. These are very real, very factual accounts of how the titular Mr. Bunker captured Andy and I this week. You can check any uh, security camera, CCTV camera, and you can see these things happening to us on a weekly basis. This stuff is all real, and it is happening. These, these are local abduction stories that want to meet you. <laughs> they're now. single they're local and they're sexy they want to get with you they want to get with you they want to first they want to talk to you on the phone for four dollars a minute four dollars a minute uh five dollars a second after the first minute <laughs> but let me tell you they'll get you off of the phone they make you <laughs> they make you hang up eventually andy I tell you, was, they always tell you, oh, stop crying. This isn't therapy. <laughs> okay, I just need someone to talk to. You just want someone to listen. Andy, uh, I was out and about today. Mm, I want to listen to this story. Sunday morning, I was out and about. I was... Uh, Sunday, Sunday, la, la, la. So good to me. It was good. It wasn't. It was bad. You lied to me through song, you asshole. I was out and about, and I was at the farmer's market. Okay. And I was hanging out, mm-hmm. doing a little shopping. You're not a farmer. How do you get into that market? I got, I got coops. Mm. I got the coops, baby. Chicken coops? Yeah, I got the chicken coops. Well, that checks out. <laughs> I'm a homesteader. I got chickens. Uh, chickens. He's actually, a homesteader. Go get some her. Some people are trying to outlaw owning chickens in the city of Chicago. Do you know that? You hear about that? I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, because they're loud and uh, their dung attracts rats. That too. I don't know anybody in the city who has a yard big enough to have chickens. Well, and what you... do you do in the winter? Mm. It's mighty cold. Yeah, mighty cold here in Chicago. But a roast chicken is delicious. Oh, no. You need them for eggs. Yeah. Anyway, Andy, they I was out chickens about. all the time. And, uh, you know, sometimes at these farmer's markets, they have, um, like, prepared fresh foods that you can mm-hmm. buy from certain vendors. Sure. And, you know, it was a cold day, so I thought, ooh, what, what's better on a cold day than Sushi some- burrito. <laughs> no. Oh. I fucking hate sushi burritos. Yeesh. <laughs> I think they're so dumb. And stupid, and stop making everything into big giant burritos. Sorry, I tripped a trigger here. Quit it with the fusion shit, okay? Unless it's good, there's no reason to make sushi into a burrito. That's way too much raw fish. So gross. Sushi is good in bites. You don't need to make it into a burrito, you disgusting fucks. What about a sushi taquito? 
Ale idem si žiť tak, jo. Ježiš, tak idem, bro. Nice to meet you too. This comes out. Complete. <laughs> it's just on that. I had to make my own sushi? No, it's, it's a sushi fajita. It's just on that ovoid cast iron skillet, but there's no, it's not hot at all. Yeah. Just stone cold. Yeah. Just. That's a genius idea. Some idiot would pay money for a sushi fajita. <laughs> on the side is just, uh, you know, seaweed. What is it? Nigiri? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, uh, what's it called? Nori. Nori, thank you. Yeah. Nigiri is the, the is uh, a, uh, the sushi. Is sushi when it's on, on uh, rice. On rice, yeah. Hand packed. Yeah. Uh, no, some idiot would pay top dollar for like, oh, it's a sushi fajita. And it's like, you just have to make it yourself. Some idiot, we're listening to him right now. He'll pay top dollar for that sushi fajita. I'm not paying shit for that. But sushi fajita. Sure will. Look at him. He's licking his chops right now. Think about it. That's his licking his I can't control how much I drool. You know that. I don't care. Andy, I was at the farmer's market, and I was getting some prepared fresh minestrone soup. Oh, wow. What's better on a cold day than a hot cup of soup? The food of your people. Hot soup. Jambalaya. Hot soup. Jambalaya. But Andy, little did I know that the person running this this stall mm-hmm. was none other than famous Italian wrestler T-Boney Minestrone. Whoa. T-Boney Minestrone. T-Boney Minestrone. We all love T-Boney Minestrone. We know him. We love him. We loved when he fought Sushi Burrito for the title. <laughs> yeah. T-Boney Minestrone. And I go... Oh my God, you're T-Boney Minestrone. He goes, hey, what do you want, you stunad? Oh. You know, he's got that classic accent. Classic Italian accent. T-Boney Minestrone. Italian-American. He's a heel. Yeah. He's a heel, so he's a bad guy, and you know, you love to play into it, but. Yeah, he's the heel of the garlic bread. I go, oh, Marone, it's T-Boney Minestrone. Yeah. Oh, Marone. Oh, Marone. Oh, Marone, it's T-Boney Minestrone. Yeah, there you go. And you know, I don't think he was having it. I think he was having a bad day. I think he was just trying to sell his soup without people realizing mm-hmm. who it was. Mm-hmm. And so, Andy, he kind of started to get a little annoyed with me. He started to wrestle me. Just right there? He just started to wrestle me. It was a hardcore match in the middle of the of the, <laughs> of the, of the, <laughs> the farmer's market. Hardcore? <laughs> yeah. He's putting me in all of his moves, the pasta pincher. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got the the farfadelli. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that one's that one that one hurts. Oh, that one hurts the way he folds up your legs. Yeah, he puts me in the cannoli clutch. Oh, you know what? He's got the he's got the lasagna leg drop from the top of the vendor box. Jeez, Louise! I mean, he's doing all of his moves. T Boney Minestrone. Whew, you had to have you had to be in pain. Oh yeah, wedding soup drop suplex. He had to be hurting too, jumping from the top, drop, doing a leg drop. Ah, you know, he's a professional. It's T-Boney Minestrone. That's true. So eventually, Give he's, him the benefit of the doubt. He's putting me in the pasta pincher. Right. And he rolls me into a, uh, into a uh, gnocchi pin. Okay. He's pinned me gnocchi style. Yeah, right. Meaning that I'm a big old potato dumpling. <laughs> yeah. And he's that fork. <laughs> yeah. Smushing your sides. And it goes one. 
two, three. Then he stands up. He's got his boot right on my chest. I'm already defeated. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. He pulls off his face. It was a mask. That wasn't T-Boney Minestrone. It was Bunker. What? It was Bunker the Bunker whole time, Bunker impersonated T-Boney Minestrone? Yeah. He, ho- he he told me that he overheard you saying that he was an unathletic cheerleader a couple weeks ago. Why he, he was. <laughs> and he got yoked and ripped. Bunker's buff. Whoa. Bunker's wow. buff now. Nice. <laughs> Sexy. He's fucking jacked. Wow. Good for him. Like a professional wrestler. Good for him. Not good for him, Andy. Good for him. No. no, this is bad for us. I hope that he's healthy. Andy. I wouldn't wish poor health on even my greatest adversary. This is bad for us, Andy. You keep antagonizing him. So he went out. Now he's buff. Yeah, I helped him make a positive change in his life. I'm a force for good. Andy, he's going to beat us up now even more than he already does. It's fine. I don't remember because I <laughs> suffer head trauma. <laughs> a lot. He bought me in the pasta pincher. You had it coming, frankly. <laughs> you deserve that Noki hold. <laughs> well, anyway, that's how I got captured, Andy. Wow. Bunker's Sorry. buff. Sorry that that happened to you. Bunker's buff now. Um, I I wish that uh, I could say that uh, that I met somebody famous, but... Um, well, I didn't actually get to meet T-Boney Minestrone. Oh, right. I would love to. It was a fake. One day. That was a that was a, not, a, not a real T-Boney Minestrone. Right. Um, well, Art, uh, I, I'm going to tell you how I got here. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you a question though, to start. We'll see. Um, what's more relaxing than a nice massage? Uh, I don't really like massages that much. Hmm. Interesting. Why? I don't know. They just don't want somebody else touching you. I mean, maybe if I have like a really serious knot in my back, but other than that, I'm okay. I think it's relaxing. I like to foam roll. I'll massage myself. Okay. You're DIYer. Yeah. I get it. Put hot stones on my own bod. Hot stones on your hot stone. Yeah. Bod. <clears throat> Lather myself up with oil. Am I so cold and dead inside yeah. that I can't appreciate reducing tension in my body by paying another person to rub me down? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I am not so cold and dead inside. So- I head to the adult swim themed massage place <laughs> called Brack Rubs <laughs> to get myself a Swedish. Oh God. <laughs> Swedish massage, that is. So <laughs> Boo. I I don't name these places. Yeah. These are popping up all over the city. <laughs> so I've never been the to the adult swim themed massage parlor. Yeah, they got all the they got all the all your favorites there. Yeah, you can get a uh Space ghost space mask. <laughs> yeah. Space mask. Space ghost. Cleanses your pores. Coast to coast. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, I've never been to Brack Rubs before. Yeah, you can watch some home movies. Yeah, home movies is on <laughs> 24-7 at Brack Rubs. Um, but the place, the place was actually pretty nice, okay. I have to say. Um, very friendly staff. It's it's the whole deal. Um so hey everybody it's me back there you go it's close <laughs> yeah uh harvey birdman works the front desk <laughs> um so i i go into the you know they have the room there with the massage you get the massage i go into the room and i disrobe um i like to be completely nude sure 
for the massage. You sleep nude. Um, so I listeners pre- don't know that, but I know that because I know you. Yeah, I don't anymore. Oh, I oh. stopped. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> I'm not going to say why. I want the listeners to think about it. Okay. Um, so, so I'm in the room. I'm disrobing. I prep myself by laying down on that, you know, that table, that table thing, you know, where you put your face through through the hole, that like padded part. Um, it's quiet. It's dim lighting. Mm. It's very relaxing. They've got the Adult Swim bumper music kind of playing. That's it. Just quietly. at a low volume. It's very the very, old school ones, right? The old bump music. Not we're not talking today's right bumps. We're talking the old fashioned stuff. Uh, it's very relaxing. I'm enjoying myself even before the massage starts. Okay. Uh, the massage therapist comes in, and we exchange pleasantries. But look, I don't look up. You don't want to see. I I can just say hi through the thing. I'm relaxed. I'm 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 ready to go. Um, the massage gets going and it's a good massage. Okay. Like it's very enjoyable. Yeah. I'm quite relaxed. I feel the tension just melt away off my body. They're getting in there good. The yeah, the therapist is uh, like working on my arms though. And something something doesn't feel right. And so I say that it hurts a little bit. And the therapist is telling me like you have a lot of you have a lot of tension in your arms. And I'm like I'm thinking, I do. Like, I, it's normally my back or my neck. Sure. Or my shoulders. Or I'm your pussy or your cracks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's usually in one of those places. Yeah. Not in my arms. <laughs> right. So, uh, the, the therapist is working on me. Next thing I know, this massage therapist is lifting me off of the table. Oh, my God. So, I'm airborne and this person is contorting me. Jesus. Uh, just like uh, twisting me, turning me. Like when Wayne Knight gets contorted into a basketball in uh, Space Jam? Right. It's similar to that situation. <laughs> and this is where I notice it for the first time. Does he? The massage therapist was Mr. Bunker. Oh, my God. He's buff. Yeah. <laughs> Bunker's That's buff. how he could lift me. Yeah. So <laughs> he's finally he stops. He, he's like moving me, like just pinching me, oh twisting me, turning me. Finally, he stops. I am completely unable to move. You're like a human bop it. I, I look down at myself and I realize he bent me into the shape of a pretzel. Oh my God. He turned me into a human pretzel. You're very flexible. Yeah. So I believe it. He turned me into a pretzel. So then he sprinkles me in salt and slathers me in mustard. <laughs> mounts me on the spring on top of a pretzel food truck. He does a full shift at a manufacturing plant. Then finally... We drive to the bunker. He does a full shift? Why would he do that? I just, he's a madman. So he drives to the bunker. After an hour, I finally get the feeling back in my limbs, and I can start to finally lick myself clean, which I did in full. Yeah, you licked all that salt and mustard off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. I was wondering what you were doing. I was licking the salt. I thought and- maybe you were like trying to pretend you were a cat or something. No, I was licking the salt and mustard from my body. From my, my mustard salt slathered body. Wow. Well, Andy, uh, Bunker's buff. Yeah. And I have to say, you brought this curse upon us. You know, I mean, of all the of all the punishments, I got covered in mustard and salt. That's not so bad. And then you also got a massage. I did get a free massage. But it felt good for a while. Yeah, you were pretzeled. Yeah, then I got pretzeled and it hurt bad. I need to go back now. 
My legs don't work anymore. I wouldn't go back to the same adult swim themed brack yeah, rub. I mean, I'm doubting the veracity of the brack brack mush, brack rubs. I'm thinking that it might not be a real place now. Yeah. I'm having my doubts. Yeah. But it was good while it lasted. Sure. Maybe I can convince Mr. B to give me a massage on the side. You know what I'm saying? Just down here in the bunk. What? Just give me a massage, Mr. B. Yeah, with a happy ending, you sick fuck. I never said that. You put that on no, me. No, you. I could see it in your eyes. Oh, you can't see a happy ending in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, I am watching Pornhub on my phone, but you can't see a happy ending in my eyes. You don't have that kind of acuity. <laughs> see the reflection of my phone in your my eyes. Listeners. Liar. I'm not a liar, listeners. Bunkers buff listeners. Things are changing here at Mr. Bunkers. We're going to have to change the name to Mr. Buffers. Mr. Mr. Clean. <laughs> Mr. Power Clean. Yeah. Jeez, Bunkers buff. Yeah. Bunkers back and he's buff. Bunkers back. Bunkers back. Now All he's right. super buff. Hey now. Hey, hey now. Bunkers buff. buff. Listeners, um, I bet you wish that you could go back in time. And before you ever heard any yep, of this. And forget all of that. <laughs> go back to where we said, here's where the timestamp is right. so that you could skip ahead. But you can't. You wasted this time. But luckily for you. Your life is so short, so precious, and you've, you've messed it up. You've made it through the dark ages. The intro of the show. <laughs> and you're ready to begin the research, Andy. The renaissance. The renaissance. We're talking the phantom, phantom time, time hypothesis. Time hypothesis. Not, not time like the herb. Time is no. in uh, the measurement of, of uh, uh, passage of time. Yeah, I don't know how to define time. I don't know either. Maybe we'll get into that in the discussion. But yeah. anyway, first, let's we'll do the research. This is the phantom time hypothesis here on Mr. Booker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. on my side yes it is okay or is it oh listeners art and i are trained improvisers Mm. not to brag but we are in fact two of the improvisers who are routinely allowed to pay for stage time in chicago (laughs) now needless to say we know a bit about making things up even we couldn't imagine making up multiple centuries of history though that's mainly because we don't have the ability to craft a coherent story over that length of time. <laughs> well, Andy, what we might lack with uh, talent and skill and charisma and looks and respect and mm-hmm. social standing and, uh, frankly, any semblance of success, not mm-hmm. everyone in history shares our fate. True. Some people are probably capable of using their abilities to craft meaningful, compelling stories. As we'll find out today... Maybe even so compelling that they can nearly successfully fabricate hundreds of years of human history. Today we're talking about the phantom time hypothesis, which was primarily put forward and championed by Harry Bert Illig. That's right, a German author 
and uh, oh, I don't know, let's say researcher. <laughs> eh, why not? Yeah, we'll give him that. Sure. The phantom time hypothesis suggests that there was a historical conspiracy to completely fabricate the years 614 AD through 911 AD. For you math heads out there, that's a total of 297 fabricated years. Illig alleges that lack of general literacy during the time, combined with extensive foraging of documents, misrepresentation of historical events, and creation of new mythical historical events and figures allowed the conspirators to pull off this ruse. Ah, yes, the conspirators. And who were they, you ask? Good question, Gumshoe. Someday when I, Chief Inspector Andy, am gunned down in the street by one or more of the many, many people who would like to see me dead. So many. You will be ready to wear my inspector's cap, begin smoking my pipe, and become the new chief inspector. Good work, Gumshoe. <laughs> Don't touch his pipe. Not while I'm alive. <laughs> the alleged conspirators were none other than Holy Roman Emperor Otto III, Byzantine Emperor Constantine VII, and Roman Catholic Pope Sylvester II. These titans of medieval Western power came together to advance the calendar to the ostentatious year of 1000 A.D. Why would they do that, though? Ah, you know, sure. We all want to exist at the turn of the millennium. That was an exciting and terrifying time, Andy. Yes. Modern people were worried that when the clock struck midnight on January 1st, 2000, I'm sure you remember this fondly, that the computers would all reset to 1900 and nuclear ICBMs would spontaneously launch all at once and all of human electronic infrastructure would crumble as the world descended into technological darkness. Now, Andy, as a proud millennial, mm -hmm. avocado toast for the win, fam, I can let you all know that those predictions did not come true in 2000, aside from a few rogue household appliances developing sentience and murdering their owners, whatever. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, the kind of frightening shit people getting ready for Y1K must have dreamed up, though, Andy? Demons. Witches, werewolves. Oh my. We can really. Oh, oh my. Oh my. <laughs> we can really only speculate, but good news. We don't have to because Illig has already speculated for us. Oh, convenient. According to Illig, Holy Roman Emperor Otto III saw himself as Jesus Christ's, yes, Christianity's titular Jesus Christ's representative on earth who would bring about the end of times, the last 1,000 years on Earth. Illig cites the belief held by some Christians that the Earth would exist for seven days to match the seven days of the creation story in the Christian Bible. In this scenario, each day is equal to 1,000 years. The seventh and final day would begin at the start of the year 1,000. And as everyone knows, the Earth was only 5,000 years old when Christ was born. So this math checks out okay now i should say this it's not clear to me that illig himself is a young earth proponent uh it's only clear that he believes that otto the third was 
Otto needed the Pope's help in changing the calendar, and Sylvester II, prior to becoming Pope, just happened to be a teacher to both Otto III and his cousin, Pope Gregory V. I guess you could say they had a bit of history. A bit of history? Just like this topic, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, listeners, if this conspiracy was so successful, how do we even know about it today? I mean, so far removed from the actual changing of the calendar. Well, one clue comes in the form of a well-documented, actual, factual, actual factual change in the calendar in use by the Roman Catholic Church in the year 1582. See, in the year 1582, the church introduced the Gregorian calendar, named after the Pope, Pope Gregory XIII. Now, until that time, the church made use of the Julian calendar, which was enacted in 45 BC by Roman Emperor Emperor Julius Caesar. No relation to the salad. The Julian calendar was designed to reform the existing Roman calendar, and the Gregorian calendar was then designed to reform the Julian calendar. These reforms were necessary because both the Roman and Julian calendars began to drift from the astronomical year due to problems in the structure of the calendars. The effect of this drift is that dates that were typically tied to a seasonal astronomical event, such as, you know, the vernal equinox, they eventually strayed from the astronomical event. Essentially, things weren't lining up with where they were supposed to be lining up. Days were going off schedule, schedule. (laughs) Schedule, yes, exactly. So... Let's break this down. Let's break it down. Break break, break it down. Break it down. One year on Earth is colloquially 365 days. The actual amount of time, though, is 365.24217 days. This excess time each year has to be accounted for by adding some time into the calendar periodically. The Julian calendar handled this by adding one day, called a leap day, To the calendar every four years, called a leap year. The Julian calendar has a leap year every four years, repeating in perpetuity. So the length of the year in the Julian calendar is, on average, exactly 365.25. That's pretty close. That's close. Very close. But but every year, the Julian calendar accrues slightly too much time compared to the astronomical year. About 11.2 minutes per year to be almost exact. Now, that's not exactly a big difference, but it adds up to one extra day every 128.57143 years. So over the 1,627 years the Julian calendar was primarily in use in Europe, an extra 12.654 days had accumulated. The Gregorian calendar attempts to correct this overage of time by changing the leap year structure, right? They still have leap years. There's still leap years every four years, which we've, you know, we observe, but they still have leap years every four years in years with numbers exactly divisible by four, but not in years exactly divisible by 100 unless the year is exactly divisible by 400. Right. It's a little confusing. (laughs) Yeah. Stick with us. Stick with us. So the year 2000, Y2K lit as fuck. Okay, boomer. (laughs) Okay, boomer. Is a leap year. The year 2000 is a leap year because it's exactly divisible by 400. The year 1900, though, is not a leap year. Right. 
Ultimately, this means that on the average year length, the Gregorian calendar of the Gregorian calendar is 365.2425, which is still slightly more than the actual length of a year, but it's pretty damn close. That original number, again, was 365.24217, and the Gregorian calendar gets 365.2425. Pretty close. Very close. The Gregorian calendar produces an extra day every 3,030.3031 years. So, listeners, watch out for the year 4612. When we'll have an extra day. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait, baby. <laughs> can't wait for that extra day. That's going to be so much fun for us. <laughs> uh, whew, this was a lot of math. Yeah. Uh, what it all means, though, is that if Pope Gregory XIII wanted to make his calendar match the actual solar year, he was going to have to remove 13 days from the calendar. That's to sync up the Gregorian and the Julian calendar. Right. What Gregory did was remove 10 days from the calendar. The last day of the Julian calendar was October 4th, and the first day of the Gregorian calendar was October 15th. So there were three days unaccounted for. Mystery days. Mystery days. Let's not forget, those three days can only build up uh, one each, can only build up one each over the uh, the course of over 128 years. That means that those three missing days represent almost 386 years of history not factored into this change. Enter Heribert Illig. Illig says that Gregory used 10 days instead of 13 because he was aware of the conspiracy carried out to fabricate missing years in the past. Therefore, the adjustment needed was much less than the math based on the numbering of the years suggest is needed. The calendar isn't the only issue, though, according to Illig. Illig first became interested in the topic of the Middle Ages, and if they even ever happened after a friend called him regarding forged documents from the middle ages, a 1986 conference in Munich, Germany on the topic turned Illig on to forgeries that were described by Horst Furman as having quote, anticipatory character. That is forgeries that had little impact in the time they were produced, but had a larger impact in the future. Illig began to wonder how forgeries could be retained and became relevant sometimes hundreds of years after their production. This led him to think that the time between the forgery and its actual relevance was not so long as the calendar suggests, which led him to look into the calculation of the calendars themselves. The quality of sources is a big issue for Illig. He believes that historians have over-relied upon written sources while excluding the, the physical evidence. One of the key figures of the Phantom Era, that is the time between 1614 and uh, 911 AD is, uh, I I should really say 911 or something to differentiate, Uh, is depending on how you reckon, the first Holy Roman Emperor, Charlemagne. 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 Charlemagne, much like Daenerys Targaryen, held a lot of titles. Hopefully he didn't meet as bad of an ending. He was Emperor of the Romans, King of the Lombards, and King of the Franks. First of his name. And mother of... Uh, probably some dogs. Pep. Maybe some foxes or something. Pepin and other people. Jeez, okay. Anyway, Charlemagne 
was a conqueror amassing a huge territory in Western Europe. He also introduced needed reforms in this realm, spanning a wide array of disciplines and institutions. History sees an incredibly accomplished ruler. Illig sees a mystical figure, mythical figure, uh, likely too good to be true. Illig says the written evidence cannot be relied upon because the written sources can't verify themselves. And with so many forgeries, how can they be trusted, Andy? Instead, Illig suggests we look at the physical evidence. Romanesque architecture from the period suggests to Illig that the Middle Ages may have been closer to the Roman Empire than the accepted timeline tells. Illig suggests that there was not a good way for knowledge of Roman building technique to be transmitted to Charlemagne's empire, either from Rome itself or from Byzantium. Aachen Cathedral, the church originally ordered constructed by Charlemagne, is particularly troublesome for Illig. Aachen Cathedral features a large octagonal dome built from stone. Illig suggests that the builders of Charlemagne's time built in wood primarily and lacked experience with large structures. Any similar Roman structures, again, per Illig, were not built later than 400 AD, nearly 400 years prior to the beginning of construction at Aachen. Illig also finds that Byzantium lacked ongoing activity to produce buildings similar to the Aachen Cathedral. Thus, Illig finds that the cathedral does not have any forerunners. Not even a Toyota forerunner. Sad. Great car. Uh, I would not. Anyway, Illig also says that the dome technology all but disappears from Europe after the Aachen construction, not reappearing until approximately 970 AD, and even then, smaller than what's seen in Aachen. Aachen, it seems, is a building out of time, a unique singularity. Other buildings that perhaps uh, should exist don't seem to. Illig's review of written sources reveals that Charlemagne, during his reign, uh, should have had 313 major buildings constructed. Of those major buildings, Illig says that now 97% of the buildings can't be found. Illig points out that archaeologists and historians claim that Frankish sites, the Franks were Charlemagne's people, by the way, were destroyed by the Huns or the Vikings or other groups of people. According to Illig, though, there is no good evidence to support these claims. For example, remnants of uh, Viking attacks, they can't be found at these sites. Further, Illig and a colleague, Gerhard Anwanda, Anwanda, oh, wow, there you go, Little German art. Yeah. Did a detailed study of Bavaria, the region in modern-day Germany. Illig and Anvanda uh, pored over written documents and identified 2,200 so-called, quote-unquote, document places or locations identified in the documents. Of these 2,200 document places, Illig and Anvanda find a paltry 88 of those places have archaeological remains attributed to the time of Charlemagne's familial dynasty or other Bavarians. Similar to the missing buildings, 96% of the document locations lack physical evidence. As Illig himself will tell you, his phantom time hypothesis has not been well received by the mainstream scientific and historical community. One reason for this cold reception, says Illig, is that because if he's right, academic branches like medieval studies will completely disappear as they will have no reason to exist. 
Much like me, these academics will realize that their existence contributes nothing to humanity. Oh, no. All that said, do the mainstream historians and scientists have a point about the phantom time hypothesis? Is there any evidence to refute Illig's ideas? Okay, listeners, while it's true that Illig makes some good points about the scarcity of evidence from the early Middle Ages, after all, that time didn't earn the moniker the Dark Ages for nothing, okay? There are some points that suggest that the early Middle Ages, uh, well, did in fact happen. <laughs> shocking. Something is shocking. <laughs> Something to consider is how the Dark Ages in Europe even came about. Prior to the Dark Ages, Europe was largely under control of the Roman Empire. Rome was a stabilizing political force, which allowed people the freedom to invest in cultural pursuits, right? The Roman trade network brought goods from all over the empire to other parts of the empire, even if prosperity didn't exactly follow. The Romans maintained a wide variety of religious cults with a eh, generally tolerant attitude with some notable exceptions. For example, the Jewish unrest in Judea. We read about it in the little thing called the Bible. This is a really simplified version of the Roman collapse, but here goes. Despite all of the points just mentioned, Rome was basically a substance economy with poor public health overall. A combination of factors led to the collapse of the empire, including a period of cooling temperatures impacted, impacting agricultural yields, which led to increased instances of famine. Plagues also became more commonplace in the empire, seriously impacting population levels. Here's some stats. Some estimates put the loss of population between 100, between 150 and 480 at 15 million people, Andy. A, a 20% decline in population. And Rome was an empire that needed lots of births to sustain its population due to the high infant mortality rate. The empire was subjected to civil wars, invasion by migrating Germanic tribes fleeing the advance of the Huns, and eventually war with the Huns themselves. Emperor Constantine I uh, legalized Christianity in the empire and eventually converted himself. His successors followed suit and funds began to be diverted from civic organizations to religious Christian organizations. The empire became a split between East and West, much like the famous feud between Biggie and Tupac. Right. With the eastern portion, Byzantium, a.k.a. Tupac, <laughs> a.k.a. Tupac, rising in Wait, the... No, it's Biggie. Biggie is in the east. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I got backwards. I got carried God away. God damn it, Andy. I got carried away with the analogy. <laughs> the eastern portion, Byzantium, rising, and the western half, waning. Europe descended into near constant war with the many fractured political elements all jockeying for position, and this led to a halt in economic growth and crumbling infrastructure. Administratively, the vacuum left by Rome in the West was filled with the Roman Catholic Church. Learning became centralized in the church, and lay people became mostly illiterate. And superstition flourished to the determent of science. This is actually one way in which Illig's hypothesis makes sense. It would have been easy to invent years on the calendar because most people were fucking stupid in Europe and they would not have known the date without asking a priest. And they still are. To all our European listeners, you idiots. Oh, boy. Let's go hard. <laughs> Just kidding, listeners. We love you. We love you. You're smart. You're listening to this podcast. You can't be that stupid. Yeah. You're beautiful. Yeah. All that said, though, 
The decline of the Roman Empire supports why artifacts and documented ev- events in Western Europe may have been so scarce at this time. For those artifacts that do exist, radiocarbon dating, a, a controversial topic to some, I know, uh, supports the existence of the early Middle Ages, as does dendrochronology. That is uh, dating based on counting tree rings. Ah, trees. I got tree rings. Won them all in the Olympics. Uh, another point to support the existence of the early Middle Ages is that history was still happening in other parts of the world, shockingly. The phantom time hypothesis is a largely Eurocentric hypothesis that doesn't really consider that if these years were made up, this would create a big difference between the Gregorian calendar and other global calendars, which is not really what's observed. Illig claims that all around the world, other cultures outside of Europe adopted new calendars to match the phantom calendar and then filled in the blank time with new legends and forgeries of their own. Illig specifically cites new calendars in the Jewish and Islamic worlds. Interestingly enough, if this were true, this means that the Islamic expansion and the historical figure of Muhammad would be a complete fabrication, just like Charlemagne. It's also noteworthy to bring up the Tang Dynasty in China, which was in power from 618 to 907 AD, completely within the time period that Illig suggests was fabricated. The Tang Dynasty has plenty of documentary evidence to support its existence and corroborates events known in the rest of the world. That's right, Andy. This includes astronomical events, which are some of the most damning evidence against the Phantom Time hypothesis. You ever heard of a little thing called Halley's Comet? Yeah. Well, that was cited and recorded in multiple places around the world in both 760 and 837 AD, years that fall within the alleged falsified area. Era. Uh, solar eclipses also provide a check on the phantom time hypothesis. Solar eclipses were reported in Europe in both 59 and 418 AD. The dates and times of these eclipses have since been confirmed. Both of these events strongly challenged the phantom time hypothesis because they occurred in Europe prior to when the phantom time was added. This, uh, there, there should be a discrepancy in the confirmed dates against the reported dates if extra time was added. History and astronomy are challenging the phantom time hypothesis, and now math wants in on it. <laughs> Greedy math. While Illig is technically correct in his assessment of the adjustment needed to rectify the Julian and Gregorian calendars, Pope Gregory's goal was never to actually bring the two calendars into complete agreement based on the date the Julian calendar was enacted. Instead, the Pope's goal was to square the calendar with the methodology of calculation of the date of Easter as set by the Council of Nicaea. The Council of Nicaea was a council of bishops from all of Christendom, convened by Roman Emperor Constantine I in 325 AD. The goal of the council was to get agreement throughout the Christian church on a variety of issues. One of the items settled at the council was to separate the computation of Easter date from the Hebrew calendar, which some early Christians relied on, knowing that the crucifixion and resurrection happened historically at the same time as Passover. The council decreed that Easter should be on a Sunday in a lunar month determined by Christians and that the date should be the same for all Christendom. Christians developed methods for calculating the date of Easter using a Christian lunar calendar. 
But the fixed date of the vernal equinox in this method eventually began to drift from the date of the astronomical event in the Julian calendar. As an example, the astronomical equinox took place about March 23rd on the Julian calendar in 45 BC, the year that the Julian calendar came into effect. By 1582, when the Gregorian calendar was enacted, the astronomical equinox occurred on March 10th in the Julian calendar. So, again, Pope Gregory was only really interested in correcting the time from when the rules about Easter were established and his day. That means the only correction was needed to square the period between 325 AD, when the Council of Nicaea was held, and to the present at the time year of 1582. That's a total of 1,257 years to correct. If we use that number and consider the difference between the Julian calendars and the solar year, again, 11.2 minutes per year, if you recall, the total amount of time needed to make up when the Gregorian calendar was introduced was only 9.777 days, which is basically the 10 days Gregory had stricken from the calendar. Well... Listeners, we've laid out the case for and against the phantom time hypothesis. So now it's time for us to start our discussion. What will we think? Will we find Illig's valid points compelling enough to overcome the evidence against, uh, put forward by mainstream scientists? Will we even be able to have a productive discussion? Or will Andy go down too many historical rabbit holes and derail the whole fucking podcast? Let's find out together as we head through the ages like time-traveling Guy Fieri's. We're rolling out and looking for history's funkiest time discrepancies. And we need you riding shotgun. That's all right here, right now, on Calendars, Phantoms, and Times. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast will be right back after this brief message. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of mysteries, conspiracies, the unusual and the unexplained. Do we have a laser thermometer to figure out if Admiral Byrd is here? I'm pointing the laser at the wall now. 71.1, 71.2, Admiral Byrd is here. With John, Brent and Conspiracy Bot. You're all idiots. Yeah. Join them each week as they clarify conspiracies. I'm a Stuart Swerdlow. I promise I am human and I do human things. <laughs> Explore enigmas. It's all about ley lines and you'd understand that if I could explain it to you. And probe the paranormal. Hysteria 51 is a hilarious expedition into the eccentric. Stop on my joke. I Thank will when you. they're good. Tune in each week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, the truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Stay woke, meet sex. Welcome back, listeners. That was our research of the phantom time, time hypothesis. hypothesis. Welcome back. Listen. We traveled through time. And we're here. 
uh, listeners, I I want to uncover. I think I'm I think I'm ready. Okay. I think I want to uncover the real fucking conspiracy behind this this topic. Okay. I think. I think the real conspiracy here. I think this is the most Andy topic of all time. <laughs> I think you went to bunker. I think you went to bunker and you said, "Oh, can we do this, please?" Like a little kid who wanted to go to Toys R Us. This shit is so fucking boring and dumb and stupid to me. Boring, okay, dumb, I think the real conspiracy stupid. here is that you were working with Bunker so you could jerk off to obscure history references. <laughs> Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Look, Bunker and I have a special relationship, but there's nothing going on here. There's no pay for play or there's no collusion. <laughs> this is way too convenient. There's no collusion. We've been railing on you about obscure history references in the show frequently. I'm completely exonerated. <laughs> the Bunker memo. I like sexy history stories. Okay, you're over here like, uh, well, uh, do you guys think that if Charlemagne appointed Sir Reginald of Yorksbury to the court of the treasury in 1740, that the Council of Frankenshire would have overthrown the Texans? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Anytime I hear the word fucking Byzantium, I instantly fall asleep. <laughs> it's so boring. It's not. I've never had it made interesting to me. I did a lot of the math in the script myself, by the way. Oh, God, you're such a dork. On my calculator. So what? Just to make sure that, every, you know, the calculations that were purported by Illig actually lined up. Yeah. I checked his math. Did you? Yeah. Boy, did you have one hand on your calculator, the other on your penis? <laughs> you sick fuck. Yes. You nerd. I have a lot of warts, so it's like an abacus. You and I know no who else out there is out there enjoying all this history shit. I want to talk about aliens having sex and fucking Bigfoot fucking a skunk ape in the, skunk ape in the ass. <laughs> I want to rant about birds and I want to I want to talk about the flatwoods monster you can do all of that in this (laughs) I can do whatever I want yeah (laughs) I'm riled up yeah you I had a little bit of sugar I had a sour patch kid I'll admit it he had two sour patch kids before we before we came back on (laughs) and this is what happened Bunker had a little bit of Halloween candy left over not a little he's got a whole bowl I mean, there's nobody that's visiting the bunker. <laughs> there's nobody trick-or-treating out here. And uh, I can't even eat half of it because there's peanuts in some of it. So I'm fucked. You're allergic to peanuts? I'm not like allergic, but I definitely get some kind of reaction from them. Wow, I never knew this. It's like the oil in certain nuts, like very oily nuts. Even a walnut, an almond, a peanut, a lot of tree nuts. These? These nuts. Especially D's They're very nuts. oily. Especially D's nuts. <laughs> Exceptionally oily. Andy, put your balls away. Uh, I, I don't know. They just it's okay. Cause, they're harmless. <laughs> they caused me to break out. Wow. It's weird. So, maybe, we should, maybe we should get you some peanuts. You can get us out of peanuts, here. Peanuts. Oh, peanuts. Oh, peanuts. Oh, peanuts. No, it's a jazz song. Oh. So, peanuts. So, peanuts. So, peanuts. This is... So peanuts, so peanuts. You never heard it before? This isn't the. Uh, so peanuts, so peanuts. I'll play it for you. This isn't so the, peanuts. This isn't the guy from uh, the corner, Clark and Addison, or by Wrigley. <laughs> no, this is not a guy at the baseball stadium. Wow. So, so peanuts, so peanuts. <laughs> All right, let's I'll get into this bullshit. 
So here's the thing. <laughs> he thinks this whole theory is based off the fact that a bunch of dudes mm-hmm. got together and they said, okay, 1000 AD is way cooler than 996 AD. Right? Well, not, not necessarily. Which I don't agree with because 96 is one of my favorite numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's almost the right number. Almost. Um, well, Art, uh, what I want to say is that it was less about that it was just cool to like be in the millennia. But right. they, they thought the world was going to end. Yeah. I mean, what, what Illig is proposing is that Otto Third felt like the year 1000 would usher in the end times. Um, so what? 1000 to 2000 would be the end of times? Right. That would be the final day of Earth. Uh, 2000 AD. Right. That, that, wow. that 1000 years would be the end of day seven. And so wow. that would be the end of the world. Now, there are different views on this. Some people feel like the end times start in 1000. Other people feel like it happens at the end. So 2000 would be the end end times. But the whole point is that the end of the, it depends on whether you see the seventh day as a day of rest or not. How does that relate to 1000 AD? Well, again, these are, these are proponents of the idea that the earth isn't as old as we think it is. Mm. So in this scenario, the earth is only 5,000 years old at the time of Christ's birth. Okay. So the first thousand years is 6,000. So at 1,000, it's, that's when you start the 7,000th. Oh, okay. It's 7,000. And that relates to something in Revelations, I'm assuming? No, it relates to Genesis. Uh, the Wait, seven, what, seven but days. I don't understand, though. Like, God it's, took seven days to make the On the seventh day, he rested. Right. We all know that. Right. Unless you weren't a Christian, then you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, that's, the, that's the Christian So why do they think story? that after seven days, it's going to bring about the end times? Why does that? After seven days, the world existed. Yeah. And then it's going to be seven days of existence, and then it's unmade. Where does it say that? Uh, it doesn't. This is a this is a tradition. Who came up with that? There's a lot of uh, extra biblical literature and stuff uh, that that exists. That's not out there. canon. No, it's not canon. Then why are we following it? No, well, it nobody's. I'm not. You guys are idiots. Uh, and in this scenario, I mean, if the Pope was on board with it, and yeah, I know, and he's the, he's supposed to be the spokesperson for God. Yeah, he's, he's the Jared Fogel to God's subway. I get it. A lot of layers to that joke. Yeah, there's a lot of layers in that one. A lot of layers to that joke. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Like the lust for children. Yeah. Uh, it's one layer. <laughs> lust. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Kind of derailed me. I didn't expect that. Yeah, subway sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> I shoved my foot long right, right in your theory. I just think this is so silly, Andy. I get that there's like some factual evidence to it, but like, look, I'm about to knock you out with a cold cut combo. So <laughs> get your, anyway, chicken banging ranch out of my face. Why are people always like this though, Andy? Why, we've done a few topics. <laughs> Why are Why people are going you to people subway? Always like this. <laughs> what? <are> you... <laughs> Listeners, don't ever give me sugar. He can't handle it. I can't handle the truth. Sour Patch Kids. First, they're salty. Mine were salty. They just hit my tongue weird. I had a weird-ass tongue, dude. 
I got a fat little uh, short tongue. You got a long tongue or a fat tongue? Uh, nah, it's regular. Yeah, regular. Why tongue. are people like this? Why do they always like doubt the abilities of ancient peoples to do to do stuff? Like, like he doesn't believe that in the dark ages they could have come up with that cathedral because he didn't show up till like. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get why they're so like. It's like we saw this with um. You know, we saw this with like, there's no way that the people, the Rapa Nui could, could build Moai statues. It just simply is impossible for ancient peoples to do things. It's like, I just don't buy that. Cause like, you gotta think like, there was just like, there's so much time. There's nothing to do all day. All people did all day was just build shit. And then they just go to sleep and die. Well, that's uh, all they did. I've got a, I've got a, a point to add here, Art. Okay. Uh, the the uh, the architect of the Aachen Cathedral, uh, well, at least the the Palatine Chapel, which is th- like the original building, which is now the Aachen Cathedral. Sure. The architect was a guy named Odo of Metz. And not affiliated with the baseball team. No, not affiliated with the baseball team at all. And... He uh, was an architect um, and, you know, allegedly the earliest known architect born north of the Alps. Uh, and he designed, you know, Illig sites that the Palatine Cathedral has all these Romanesque touches. Right. And But it's a dome. He Yeah, it's a domed structure. And, of course, there's huge domes in Roman architecture. Yeah. Um, he's... Part of the his Sistine argument is, Chapel, ever heard of it? No. Uh, part of his is argument- Is that not part of the Roman Empire? It is. It's Italian. I don't know if it was when it was built exactly. But his his whole thing is that Romans used probably lighter materials than the uh, Franks would have been using, than Charlemagne's architect. And the same is true in Byzantium. They would have used lighter material. So this is somewhat of a an engineering feat, uh, this- octagonal dome at Aachen but uh, Odo of Metz had uh, a technical knowledge from a a Roman uh, architecture manuscripts that he had possession of so there you go I mean the the argument that there could have been no way for um, this knowledge to be transmitted to Charlemagne's empire either from Byzantium or Rome, I think falls a little flat because number one, part of part of the part of the the empire, Charlemagne's empire, was in Italy. Yeah. So Charlemagne was in Italy. He saw Roman architecture up close and personal. And people with him would have seen it also. Yeah. Uh, I think that the argument that says, well, people largely built in wood and not stone is probably true. But that doesn't mean that for special projects, they couldn't have busted out some stone. Yeah, brought out some fucking stone. Yeah. Go get the stone. Yeah. I'm going to build a big ass fucking dome. I want to build a stone dome. Give me the stone dome. I just, I, I hate it when they like talk in absolutes. There's no way they could have known. There's no possible way. It's like, there's a way. Like, I, yeah, like you said, it's like they could have gone and seen some shit and been like, hey, let's build that shit. How hard is that? It's not that hard. I mean, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. 
But like you get a couple of fucking masons around, and you're the goddamn king, you're going to get shit figured out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, how about we transition to talk about this? Charlemagne, the Charlemagne guy. He thinks he's some like mythological figure. And yeah, he's got a lot of titles. And sure, maybe they fabricated a couple things. I mean, he's the fucking king. He can rewrite history however he wants. Um, I think a lot of the things are are forgeries that look back that that purport to capture things that already happened. Um, the Catholic Church was, of course, famous for forging documents. Yeah, about historical things. Um, and so that that contributes to this a lot is that there are a lot of medieval fakes and we've seen forgeries and fakes in plenty of topics that we've looked over right like yeah this kind of stuff happens a lot but i think you know you get one guy a smart guy who's in charge and he's eating the best food and he's drinking the best drink he's drinking clean water and him and all of his people around him are drinking clean water they can actually get shit done (laughs) yeah the peasants can't i'll give you that they're drinking like shit water and getting plagued and uh, dying. And well, they're eating like uh, bread. You make day. you make a good point um, because I think that one. So in what I'm saying is like in perspective, it's like he looks like a super powerful figure. But it's like, you know, he was the king. Of course he was. Well, you make a good point because as you so eloquently said during the research there were a lot of factors that led to the dark ages in europe and not the the main factor is the absence of the roman empire yeah so charlemagne is able to through i mean brutality and warfare (laughs) unify all these disparate political factions yeah that were competing in the region so stability goes a long way to advancing. Um, you got one guy who's coming along. He's charismatic as fuck. He's coming in. He's taking charge of all these little tribes. Yeah. He's bringing them all together. And then when he died, the empire split. Yeah. Because that was the tradition is that you don't you don't pass everything on. Uh, there's a word for it and I can't remember. Um, but. You don't pass everything on to one heir. You split it amongst your heirs. And so the empire got split up again. So it just leads to more factionalism. So, I mean, Illig sees it as Charlemagne's a a bolt of lightning in the darkness. And to him, he sees these things like Charlemagne where it's, it's so good, it's too good to be true. The same thing kind of with the Tang Dynasty in China. It's it's maybe a golden age. There's the expansion of Islam during this time. Islam's riding high. There's all these good things happening in this period. To Illig, he sees it as people going backwards and creating a myth about what the ideal situation would be rather than what anything that actually happened. Right. All that said, this is, I mean... Did everybody on Earth coordinate this faked time so that we only could find out about it in the 1990s? <laughs> you know? And also part of me is kind of like, so what? Yeah, I guess even if they did, it's kind of like, who cares? Okay, it's 1722. Yeah. Oh. It's a... It's oh. a... Yeah. 
obviously boggle. I mean, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't I, care. I don't yeah. give a shit. Yeah. You think anyone would care? Yeah. I, I, I honestly. It hey, matter. everyone. It's actually seventeen. Okay. Can we still just call it twenty nineteen? Can we just say? <laughs> sure. I guess it doesn't really matter. All right. Well. You know all this all this shit that you rarely ever learn about in like a general public school history class was actually faked. Oh, okay, I think that I even the Greeks didn't go off the Julian calendar until 1923. So the Julian calendar stayed in effect in places until the 18th century. Saudi Arabia adopted the Gregorian calendar in 2016. Yeah, I Crazy. think everyone else was like like. The latest was like 1920 something. Yeah. I think, I think Turkey was the latest. It was like 1926. I think that I read that in Ethiopia, their civic calendar that they still use is based on either a lunar calendar or like the Julian calendar. Let's talk about calendars. Okay. Let's talk about calendars. What do you think about the Kodak calendar, a.k.a. International Fixed Calendar? Oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. How'd you know that? You don't because know anything you've about talked me. about that before. I have. Yeah, you love the month of soul. I think it's cool. Yeah. But, so, so for those people who don't know. Flawed. Okay, go ahead. You. This is your thing. I is it wanna, my thing? Yeah, you love this topic. Do I? Uh, it's not really the Kodak calendar. George Eastman didn't create it, but he did put it in, a, in effect at Kodak. They used that calendar officially at Kodak. So uh, this calendar, what makes a difference is it, it divides the solar year into 13 months each has 28 days. Uh, and so it's therefore a perennial calendar with every date fixed to the exact same weekday every year. So like October 17th is like would always be a Thursday, no matter what or whatever day it is, right? Like, you know, November 8th, that is always a Monday, no matter what. It's the same every fucking year. Right. And, uh, one of the ways it does this is, is like I said, it has 13 months. So what's the name of this calendar? It's called the International Fixed Calendar. Okay, thank you. Um, and each month has four weeks, 28 days, and then like there's weird rules with the leap. There is a leap day. So the, the inter- there's a leap day in June on leap years or year day in December. Yeah. The intercalary days though. Right. Uh, which, is, which is the, I don't know, scientific term for these dates that get added to the calendar. Right. What's interesting about this international fixed calendar is that when you add the intercalary days, they don't count as a weekday or anything. Right. They're, it's just a, it's an extra day that doesn't exist in the calendar really. Yeah. It's, it's like, like well, a, how we do like February 29th. Right. With leap year. It's not like that with the international fixed calendar. It's just an extra day between what is it like June and Seoul? Soul happens between June and July? Yeah. Or is it between Soul and July that they uh, add that, the intercalary day? And then the one at the year day. Sometimes called is, year day, does not belong any week, and b- brings the total to 365. And that's at the very end of the year. It's, it's at the end of the year. between the last day of December and the first day of January. It would essentially equal December 31st in the Gregorian calendar, but it would be after December 28th. Right. But it wouldn't be December 29th. Right. And the thing that's interesting about it is that it's not a day of the week. So if December 28th with the international fixed calendar is a Friday, January 1st is always going to be Saturday, even if you have a day in between. Well, the 28th is always a Saturday. Right. And the first will always be. The first is always a Sunday. Sunday. 
So so the 28th of December will always be Saturday. Right. And the 1st of January will always be Sunday. But then some years you have that day in between that doesn't count as a weekday or anything. Yeah, it's just kind of, I guess we pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's, it's a weird calendar. It's a weird calendar. Interesting system. Though. It has flaws. The nice thing about it is that it fixes a lot of, uh, you know, like, okay, so here's the advantages, right? Like, it's very systematic. Each month has four weeks, 28 days. Every day of the month is always the same weekday of the month. And every year, every day of the week, every date is always the same day of the exactly. week. Exactly. The 17th is always a Tuesday. The calendar is the same every year. So, not like, your holiday is never going to... Thanksgiving is always going to be the same day. Uh, your same birth date. Same date. <laughs> yeah. Your birthday is the same day, day of, of the, the week, week. Yeah. and date, obviously. Yeah. Uh... You know, and statistical comparisons by months are more accurate since all months contain exactly the same number of business days and weeks. For a business, it makes some sense. It's a lot easier to calculate things. They're exactly the same instead of where it's like, well, this month, you know, February only had 28 days and then like, but, you know, most businesses use quarters anyway. Disadvantages is that like, for any major religion, yeah, uh, religions hate this calendar. They fucking hate this calendar because they don't want their shit changing and showing up on different ass days that they say isn't real. Well, right? there's there's a few things at play here, and one of those is that some of the major world religions would probably have to consider changing their day of worship, right, uh, in order to match certain um, religious holidays with their day of worship, whereas they have that flexibility now right. with the Gregorian model. Um, one other thing to think about too is that for example, uh, there there used to be a big debate in Judaism about how to calculate uh, the calendar. And the two schools of thought, there was, there was a lunar school of thought, which is really the more traditional one. It's much easier for humans to calculate the calendar based on the moon cycles than the cycle of the sun. Right. So lunar calendars were in effect before solar calendars. And so it's lunar versus solar and both sides felt like the other side wasn't doing a very good job of calculating the dates that were where they were supposed to have uh, celebrations and stuff. Yeah. And that's sort of the interplay between this international fixed calendar and the system we have now. Cause like with the Gregorian model, Pope Gregory also rolled out this uh, system for calculating the date of Easter, which if I'm being honest, I read about it, but I don't get it. It's like, it's the first, there's like. A, it's very confusing. The Christ, Christians, Christians even today are like, when the fuck is Easter? Yeah. Just look at the calendar. Christianity yeah. developed a table of. Oh, it's so like, confusing. I've seen them moon, before. Of the moon cycles. There's like an ecclesi- uh, an ecclesiastical lunar calendar that's specifically for Christianity. And this is the first full moon that falls after the like when the equinox, whatever, like is close to the yep. date of March 21st. It's the first and full. It's gotta be a that. Sunday. And it's like, yeah, uh, April, March, blah, blah, blah. You know? I, yeah. It's, it's very confusing. So, you know, if they went to this international fixed, it's like Easter is this day every year. Yes. It's not changing now. And so religions hate it, but then a lot of people would probably be pissed. Cause like your, if your birthday is on a Tuesday, your birthday is always on a Tuesday. And you might not like that. Maybe, you know, maybe you like it when your birthday falls on a Saturday. Let's get over ourselves, can we? So what? It's your birthday. Jeez, Andy. Someone who has a kid, I mean, your birthday's kind of important. Are they? 
I don't, it's important to the kids, Andy. I I get it. They want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. It's only important because we make it important for them. Oh, jeez. We should celebrate each other every day, not just at our birthdays. Oh, fuck you. You don't do that. You don't celebrate me ever. <laughs> I celebrate you an appropriate amount. Celebrate me. I do what's necessary. Worship me as a god. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Regardless, that's another reason people Show me it. your calendar, Art. Tons of statistical data and applications we need to be... Cha- I mean, think about it. Like, every computer in the world, you know, tons of systems... Businesses that run on quarters, well, you can't do quarters with 13 months. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. So those are the advantages. It gets it gets quirky. You have to have one quarter that cuts off in the middle think of the Think about this. I didn't even think about this. Food items. Expiration dates for every fucking food item in the world would have to change. Because you'd have this new month called Soul. Yeah. You'd have to add Soul in everywhere. Yeah. You know? I mean, we'd still just number it. It'd be weird. Yeah. Well, then people would have to get used to it because it's also in the middle of the year. So it's 13. The 13th month would be December. Yeah. Soul is the seventh month now. Yeah. Think about it. Think or about how many people writing month. checks and putting dates on shit. And they'd be like, oh, what date? Oh, I forgot. It's Soul. Oh, yeah. It's Soul the 15th. You know, you grew up your whole life. May was the fifth, but it still is. Now, I don't know why they didn't choose Smarch <laughs> so that they could make a Simpsons reference. Smarch. I don't get it. Ooh, lousy smart weather. They misprinted the calcul the calendars. Oh. Sneed, don't touch Willie. Sneed and feet. Good advice. Chuck's sne- something sneed it sneeds sneeds feed and seed. Which formerly Chuck's. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this uh, calendar was uh, used by uh, George Eastman in the Eastman Kodak Company. Right. From 1920 to 1989. Yeah. Crazy. So there's still some people out there who worked at the Kodak company who probably remember this calendar. Yeah. Kind of weird. They're the only company, really major company, that ever like adopted it, <laughs> used it for a long time. And look at them now. And look at them now doing look so how well. Worthless Kodak is now. Sorry, Kodak. I don't know anything about you. I used to have a Kodak camera and I would print pictures. But I did too, back when Kodak was relevant. <laughs> no, I don't think I, I don't think we need to move to that calendar. Honestly, the Gregorian calendar is pretty damn fucking accurate. I mean, honestly, the way that they handle the leap years, it's a little confusing when you say it out loud, but in practice, it's not no confusing. Gets, who gets some smart idiot will come up with that shit i don't need to worry about when a leap year is and and for for there only being one day every uh three thousand thirty years that's not bad it's pretty accurate andy give him give him some props this was 1582 yeah and these guys calculated it down to like statistically point zero you know two (laughs) you know you know we have we have like modern measuring techniques and stuff now but actually at the time there were a lot of different opinions about how many days were needed to make this up because there were different tables that uh, that outlined the, the length of the solar year. So there wasn't even agreement necessarily on what the actual length of the solar year is. So the fact that that they came to a decision that Pope Gregory got to a decision that's actually pretty accurate, it could have been a lot different. Because some some estimates were that they needed 15 days out of the calendar, which would have been more than even 
from when the Julian calendar started. Yeah, we'd be totally fucked up. Yeah. We'd so. be talking about changing the calendar now. Yeah. Yeah. Now we don't have to worry about it for thousands of years. Oh, yeah. Get fucked 14, 4,612 4, AD. Yeah. <laughs> or CE, whatever they use now. Yeah. Common era. Uh, Yeah. The, the, uh, it's kind of this, it's, it's basically the same, same structure. Thing. It's like BC and CE. BCE and CE is the same thing as BC and AD. Uh, one thing I want to mention, Art. Yeah, go ahead and mention it right now. Um, one of the co-conspirators allegedly is Constantine the Seventh, the um, uh, the the Byzantine emperor. Yeah. Uh, Constantine the Seventh died 9th of November, nine fifty nine. Uh, Otto the Third, the Holy Roman Emperor, wasn't born until nine eighty. So, so there's no way they could have conspired. They didn't they weren't alive at the same time. In fact, there's what, like 30 years? And I I think it's it's not totally clear to me, but I think that the underpinning of 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 Constantine's involvement in this is that he was a bit of a scholar and undertook a lot of projects in uh Constantinople to um collate the history of Byzantium. Uh, and so he. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, and so fall asleep. I, people see that as him being able to edit basically the whole history of the Byzantine Empire. Yeah, he's got the word doc, and he's right. making changes. And yeah, nobody he's can not tracking changes. He's not tracking them. He's not tracking them. So you don't know. Yeah. Um, now I don't know. I don't know what his level of of fabrication or falsification in in Byzantine history ended up being a lot of the works that he commissioned and stuff are lost to time. They don't exist anymore. Um, so I don't know, but that, that seems, I don't know. I don't think he should be really considered a conspirator. It's really Otto the third and, um, Sylvester the second, the Pope. Sylvester the second constantly chasing that little tiny bird. Mm-hmm, yeah. Tweety, <laughs> Tweety, the Tweety, the fourth tweet, Pope Tweety, the fourth. <laughs> Oh, they were at war. Uh, so, um, you know, Pope Gregory V was Pope Sylvester's uh, predecessor. Right. And Gregory V was uh, Otto III's cousin. Uh-huh. So he's just kind of appointing friends and family to be the Pope. Classic move. Classic move. Um, Sylvester II was also the first French Pope. Uh, bonjour. <laughs> I guess I don't. Know. I could tell Art did not care about that. What do you want me, what do you want me to say to that? Huh? Just saying, Art. You're getting you're getting all hopped up on your history pills. I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm in feeling my it. Bunker I'm feeling chair. It. Yeah, you are. You're squirming. I know. I'm squirming. You're feeling the hot seat. You got that sugar bouncing around inside your body. I just, I just don't think there's anything to this theory. It's just annoying. You know, it's just some guy being like, oh, it totally ignores. China, Middle Eastern record keeping of dates and times just pretends that stuff didn't exist or they also were in on it. Like, you know, you're getting to like blue beam levels of worldwide conspirating. And it's like they didn't even have technology. It's like a how is ancient China talking to I mean, I guess they talked, but like the amount of like it's like it have to be when these dudes Sylvester and Otto are sitting there 
like planning this shit out. And they also have to be talking to all these other people. It's like that's 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 the real this is the real blue beamy part of the the hypothesis though is that they don't have that collusion worldwide. It's just that they made the change and everybody else said, "Yeah, okay." And just did it when they made the change. That they added these years and everyone else just kind of was like, "Okay, we'll do the same." But yeah, how did everyone else find out about that? Yeah, that's that's the gap. That's the real problem <laughs> is that you know, there's no there's no suggestion that Otto, uh, who, by the way, uh, was his father died when he was a, like a baby, I think, or a child. And he became emperor when he was a child. And so his mother ran the empire in his stead until he became uh, old enough to run it himself. Classic. Then he didn't even make it to his 22nd birthday. So he died in 1002. Jeez. So he <laughs> barely saw this get kicked off. How did he die? Uh, of some type of disease. He took a fever when he was Classic. campaigning in, uh, I think in Sicily. What was he campaigning for? Uh, just to, I mean, he was like constantly at war. You know, there's like civil unrest and stuff in the Holy Roman Empire. Oh. And so, uh, the Ottonians were at war a lot. Uh, his father also died at war. Um, he had a Byzantine princess, did Otto III, Sailing on a ship to marry him. He died before he could marry her. Sad. I cry every time. <laughs> Just like Titanic. <laughs> uh, Star-crossed lovers. Um, what were we talking about? Calendars. <laughs> Harry Bert. Harry Bert. Harry hey. Bert the League. Hey, Harry Bert. Stick with Harry Bow. Gummy bears. Happy world of Harry Bert. Uh, cause you fucking up calendars, buddy. <laughs> but it is very blue beamish in, uh, the fact that there's clearly this disconnect, the math. It's sort of like he did the math right, but still arrived at the wrong answer. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not that he did the math wrong, but arrived at the right answer. He did the math right and arrived at the wrong answer because <laughs> it ignores the fact that Pope Gregory never intended to totally rectify the Julian and Gregorian calendars. Right. It was only to get back to the date. To the start point as established by the Council of Nicaea. So there's still this offage in time. The The calendars just continue to drift. They were never fully rectified. But it doesn't matter. Right, because we reset. Yeah. And we just said from here on out, it's the new system. There were technically three days that, yeah. Three lost days. Yeah, that probably should have been in there. But and what do those like fucking you said, days matter? Yeah, exactly. Who cares? And here's the thing. It's like. We look at the Dark Ages and we're like, oh my God, 300 years and nothing happened? 300 years is nothing. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe like modern day we expect stuff so fast because things are happening so fast. Mm -hmm. But back then, shit took a long fucking, like one major breakthrough would come through and it would jettison humanity forward. You know, that's how you mm -hmm. kind of get the Renaissance, right? Right. And it's like, before that, it's like we kind of just did the same thing for a long, long time. Look at the car. I The car is still the same shape and the same thing. I mean, maybe that's a bad example. But, like, we're adding little things onto it to make it more efficient. Like, maybe mm -hmm. it runs on gasoline, but it's still four wheels and a chassis. Yeah. You know? It's not like we've found some different way to transport humanity. We're working on it. We have Hyperloops. We don't have personalized hyperloops. We don't have teleportation. You know, we're still driving around in cars. 
we're what over a hundred years past uh, the Wright brothers' first flight. Yeah, and flight has changed a lot, but we haven't revolutionized it yet. We haven't gone to the next big thing from flight. We can't travel in the solar system with a plane. That's true. Yeah. Um, one thing about one thing about the lack of physical evidence. I'm going to make a callback to our Roanoke episode. Oh wow! Uh, Deep cut. If yeah. <laughs> Yeah, episode three of this podcast. Check it out. We'll sound a little different. Yeah, things got a lot looser after that. Oh yeah, baby. we loosened up. Uh, Roanoke, though, we talked. I think in the discussion about the settlers that came to Roanoke brought this nice pottery with them, and this is one of the things that mm. this is one of the things that archaeologists use to sort of they- track the movements. Of the Roanoke settlers. They did it at a paint and bake. Yeah. They, a wine and fire. Wine, wine and fire. White uh, and kiln. It's just so fun. Vin and kiln. A vin and kiln. They all just get together and just like hang out, drink wine and paint. Anyway, it was beautiful pottery. Goody Tweety's bachelorette party. <laughs> Goody um, they <laughs> What a pull. Uh, they... Um, they had this nice pottery that was crafted in in England, in the north of England that, yeah. that came with them. And as they move out, uh, eventually the pottery sort of dries up. And there was some discussion about whether or not that meant that the settlers disappeared. But it was sort of the conclusion you can draw is that this pottery wasn't durable necessarily. It left behind traces when it broke and stuff, but eventually they ran out of it. You know, it became old through uh, travel and war and whatever. Some stuff gets broken and left tiny behind. little elf boy in a green hat comes and picks it up and throws <laughs> it across the room. It. Big gems, He's rupees fall out of it. Yeah, you know, lots of stuff right. can happen to pottery. Yeah, and they eventually started using more local stuff from... In the Roanoke, the area of Roanoke, the, yeah. the, the, what's now the United States. I mean, like a woven basket. Yeah. Or whatever was around yeah. at the time, whatever they had access to. And there might be some of that going on in the Middle Ages also. The Roman Empire, you could get all kinds of goods from different artisans all across the globe uh, because of the. Yeah, Romazon. Yeah, Romazon. Yeah, exactly. Show up in like two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Emperor Bezos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The first, <laughs> uh, they, but you you had you could get access to all this stuff, and then it sort of like disappears, and it's like, oh, the the technology was lost. Well, nobody probably ever really had the technology except where it was produced. Yeah, it was just traded there, and then people have to learn to make something else, and so it's just because this is lost doesn't mean that nothing happened. Um, I, I don't know. I just to me, I, I don't find the the lack of physical evidence so compelling, especially when we consider the the climate in which the Middle Ages happened. It's it's constant warfare. It's oh, yeah. famine. Terrible. It's, these are terrible conditions. What worst people, time to live? People, yeah, absolutely. Like hands down. Plagues. People didn't have time like, to be artisans. Like one of the worst times, probably. We we we'll rank them. <laughs> but someday we'll come out with our comprehensive rankings of worst times to be alive. I, it was just bloodshed and death, and it sucked. It would have been. It wasn't <laughs> great to be alive during the Roman Empire, but for Europeans, for people in Western Europe, if it was born, way better yeah. than it would have been 
after the fall. If you were if you were lucky enough to be born in like at least like a middle class system, you know, not that the bottom rung, which you could be it could be said for any point in history, but yeah. I'm trying to make a point here. It's like if you could have been slightly above peasant, yeah, <laughs> things were not good, right? But not awful. At least you had the Roman Empire protecting your lands, right? In the some Pax capacity, Romana. yeah, the Roman peace. You know, if something happened, you had the legionaries could come and back you up. Yeah, that shit all falls, and you're just like some shitty little village. What's who's stopping the fucking Huns from just slaughtering you? Well, that's the problem. <laughs> no one. As the, as the empire waned, the Huns. Came on the move uh, from the steppes um, of Asia. And as they pushed into Europe, like the Germanic tribes were just like, forget this, and just started moving. They packed up and moved. <laughs> and so they start settling like towards Rome. They move towards Rome into Roman territory, whereas before they had been on the outskirts, they had been on the borders. And then they get closer and closer to Rome. And then that puts all this pressure on the empire and they start moving in and occupying and eventually that leads to you know barbarians barbarians the germanic tribes sacking rome you know they come and they have grievances with rome because of the way that rome has treated them throughout the years and now rome is weak uh the huns marched to the gates of rome and the pope turned them away i don't remember exactly what that story was that's probably a conspiracy too I think it's something like the Pope gave... They just left? The Pope gave Attila something, and Attila just turned around and left. Jeez, I conquered the Roman Empire, and all I got was this shitty t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got what I wanted. I just wanted a shirt. We're, we're not going to take him over, Attila? No, I just, I just needed a shirt. I just want some new sandals. These, these are pretty cool. you got to admit... <laughs> Very chic, very Italian, <laughs> very Milan. Okay. I'm a fashionista. Stop calling me Attila the Hun. Start calling me Attila the Fashionista. Stop so calling me Attila the Hun, but spell it H-O-N. God, Andy, you eat this shit up, don't you? Nom, 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 For nom, breakfast. Nom. You love, what kind of games do you play? You always play that. Crusader Kings. Crusader Kings. I turned you on to that, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You introduced me to that. I told you to play that game because I was like, you'll love this. Great game. And you couldn't get enough. Great game. It's an awesome game. I wish I had time to play it still. It's literally this the game. Yeah, yeah. It is this it is topic this the of the game. When I was thinking about the the uh, the distribution of the, <laughs> the Empire, I know there's a word for it because I never heard it before until playing that game and I had to like look up because I didn't understand what that was, the how the succession worked. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I like history sometimes. Like, I like stories, but this shit just bores the fuck out of me. It's like, <laughs> in 740 AD, he said this, and Constantine the Fourth said this, and he moved his distribution from the south of Italy to the northern tribe of Germanic... The Visigoths. The the Gauls. There was something, right? The Gauls. The Gauls were something. No, the Gaul, Gaul was the territory. French? Yeah, it was in the area of like France, Spain. Yeah. Over there. All right, Andy. 
You ready to v- give a verdict? Yeah, I think so. Unless you got anything else you want to say. Um, let me think. Do I have anything else to add on to this? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I said my piece. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to give my verdict. In the curious case of the phantom time hypothesis, which was a worthy prequel to a new calendar. (laughs) Uh, uh, I have to going to change the calendars. (laughs) I love that when Jar Jar there Binks changes the calendars. <laughs> there, there it is. Hair, 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 illig. <laughs> hair, hair, illig. There he is. Whoa. Sticky girl. What do I think? It's like, Gangan's no like, uh, <laughs> Byz- Byzantine's no like, uh, Yusa. Jedi Goths. <laughs> <laughs> the phantom time menace uh, <laughs> shit like that Annie. yeah he does <laughs> oh fucking Jar Jar we did you dirty Jar Jar <laughs> did we I think a little bit they they made fun of that actor so much that he like uh, had like he, I think, almost went like suicidal. Oh, he has since like become more okay. But like people hated him and hated Jar Jar so much. You imagine what that's like? Your first big role, and it's like you're playing the most hated character of all time in one of the biggest movies. Everybody, don't hate the actor. Yeah, he probably got a lot of direction. <laughs> yeah, there was nobody to rein in. Uh, Old, uh, um, George Lucas, George Lucas, the first. Yeah. Emperor Lucas. Emperor Lucas. Yeah. If you want to hate anybody, hate George Lucas. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, what do you think about that? We can talk about that real quick before you get to your verdict about Jar Jar, the theory, the fan theory that Jar Jar was a Sith Sith Lord. Lord. Do you think that would have been a cooler twist given what we know now? I can't remember the ins and outs of that, that theory. I know I read it before. I don't remember the, the exact details, but. I have to say that I just really thought Jar Jar was a grating character, like very irritating, didn't like him, hated that he showed up again in the other prequels. He barely shows up because there is uh, there's some evidence to that theory that like Lucas, I think, planned on it. The whole like Jar Jar being way bigger. But then when the backlash hit after Phantom Menace, that... uh. They they reined him back in. Yeah. And a lot of people cite the fact that Jar Jar during the uh, droid battle is able to like just fucking murder hundreds of droids through seeming like accidents is actually like him possessing incredible force powers. Yeah. And he just he's so good at just making it look like it. Yeah. And then and then later Jar Jar is the senator who decides that everyone that we should all give Palpatine, the power. Right. He's the senator that makes that call. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to it. Andy. Yeah. Andy. Andy. There you go. I sound a little more like Elmo. Yeah. But it's close enough. Uh, hi, Elmo. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I get it. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really. 
Definitely would have been more interesting. I don't think that they wanted... I hate sand. It's coarse. Gets in my butt crack. Gets in my butt crack. Natalie Portman. I don't think that they... I don't think that Jar Jar would have been a Sith Lord, though. Because I think that Jar Jar was solely created because that was going to be like a toy. Yeah. And that's the only reason. And it was fun for kids. Yeah. That was the only reason that Jar Jar was in the movie at all was to be that. It was just marketing thing. And so to me, he wouldn't have been a Sith Lord. He would have just kept being the lovable loser who keeps doing good in spite of himself. (laughs) Wow. Now this is pod racing. Now this is podcasting. <laughs> All right, Andy, let's hear your verdict. Enough charger. Uh, in the case of the the Phantom Time, <laughs> the Phantom Time Menace, I'm giving this hypothesis a plausible molecule. Wow! Holy fuck, dude! You thought that I was going to say case closed. I 100% thought you were going to say case closed. I'll tell you why I'm not saying case closed. Okay. Uh, the the sheer volume of historical forgeries means that there is some possibility that large periods of time could have been faked. Now, do I think that Herbert Illig's got it exactly correct? No, obviously, I'm erring. Towards it not being a thing. Yeah, you're Harry Bert. Yeah. Uh, the happy world of Harry Bert. The, there's a lot of stuff that suggests that it's not real. But just the the sheer amount of forged documents and stuff makes me think that maybe there is some... Uh, there is some opportunity for people in the past to have made some modifications to the timeline that we're not aware of. I don't think it matters. Yeah. Like what kind of fabrications do you think? You know, I I guess to me, it almost seems like it could be something. um, It could be, it's like a invention of, of certain things or periods that maybe never really happened. I, I mean, it's one of those things we'll never know. Right. Yeah, I guess so. If the right? documents are all faked, we have no we have no way of disproving it because we have nothing else. We, yeah. Anything that was real was lost to time. Yeah, if stuff you know, I mean, Europe Europe was destroyed during the World Wars, so <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of this stuff might have just been blown up or it's you know deeply buried where we can't find it anymore. Like it's so just destroyed that I mean, who knows? Yeah. But it's it's tenuous at best. Okay. Get your tenuous shots. Uh, I got rabies. Andy's foaming at the mouth. Listeners, I, uh, I'm going case closed. I just don't. One, I don't care. Art Two, hates this whole topic. No, I just, like, I just don't care. So what? Okay, the Dark Ages were made up. Big fucking deal. BFD. It doesn't doesn't change anything in the modern history, which is that's the only thing I fucking care about because I'm not a nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're not a nerd. You're freaking cool as hell, dude. Yeah, dude. I got sunglasses on and a backwards cap. Yeah, and he's sitting the backwards on his chair, too. Mm-hmm. And his dick's out. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I roll. <laughs> I do. Uh, uh, I just I just don't. And, 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 and on a, you know, 
different note, like I, I don't think I believe Illig. I don't, I just think there's other cultures that had accurate calendars that line up. Um, a worldwide conspiracy on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. I think the dark ages were the dark ages because uh, it was a shitty time to live. <laughs> and that's Fair. why there's 300 in 300 years, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Not that much time. No. In the scheme of things. Not truly. When you really look at it. So I'm going case closed. Listeners, that is our verdicts. Uh, let us know. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? What do you think? Uh, let us know. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us at mrbunkerpod on Twitter. Or DM us on an in- Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. Use the hashtag. Or, no, Instagram. They use the hashtag for Twitter. They use the hashtag for Twitter. Yeah. Instagram us, at Mr. Bunker Pod. Use the hashtag on Twitter or Instagram. Either one. They both have hashtags, actually, Andy. Did we say the hashtag? No, we didn't. What do you got? You got something? I know you do. You love this topic. <laughs> uh, I was just inspired by our discussion, so uh, what do we think of Jar Jar Thinks? <laughs> Good wow. or bad? Good or bad? Great. Great, I love it. Okay. Misa think? <laughs> Jar Jar thinks. Use the hashtag Jar Jar thinks and let us know what you think about this topic. Mm, now, listeners, I have a little surprise in store for my co-host, Art. I don't like this. Um, I don't like surprises. Listeners, come along with us, will you, as we do a little make-believe. Make-believe with us. Uh, Art, you must... Pick one era in history to declare as fake. Easy. Which era do you choose? Why? And what's your rationale? Uh, that whole Byzantine Empire shit. The whole stretch of it. <laughs> I don't even know the years. I just know it's not sexy. It's confusing <laughs> and complicated. And I don't like it. Roman Empire was cooler. <laughs> the Eastern the Eastern Roman Empire is... Bye-bye. <laughs> that whole era. Wow. Gone. Jeez. I remember distinctly in the second grade, like, was it the second grade? No, it would not have been the second grade. That's way too young to be learning about the Byzantine Empire. I mean, I know you went to private school, but no, this seems was, early. This was probably the seventh grade. Okay. Uh, learning about the fall of the Roman Empire, like, they actually covered, in my world history class, like, they actually finally covered, like, the full Roman Empire, you know, to a T. And then, yeah. like, the fall of it. And I remember this Byzantine shit being so confusing. And I don't know why. <laughs> and just, like, so boring. I think it's because, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, the power structure changes so much. Is that right or wrong with the Byzantines? Um, they had, the Byzantines were actually pretty stable. It was very stable. And the West was, like... The West was a mess. Was a total mess. Um, the Byzantines had pretty good administrative capabilities. Um, Who were they? Uh, they were they were really just literally like the the eastern half of the Roman Empire. So they ruled from Constantinople, which is uh, Constantinople, Istanbul is Constantinople. Right. It's Istanbul now. Uh, so they ruled over on that side, but it was That's like nobody's business about the term. I mean, I don't. I guess I don't know the lineage of all the the emperors. Would they but, be like modern day 
Germans, modern day. I think they were more like Greek type people. Okay. Um, like what is the word Byzantine? It's such a weird word. I don't know the genesis of that name. It's a weird word. Yeah. But they, I Where mean, do we get that from? You know, the, the eastern half almost recaptured the western half to make a unified Roman Empire. Try to convince me on why I should not get rid of the Byzantine, that whole stretch. You you want it scrubbed from the history books? Yeah. Uh, so you don't even you don't even just want to declare it as fake. You want it actually scrubbed get rid from of the records. I don't want to learn about it. <laughs> tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why it's interesting. What uh, makes it interesting? I'll tell you that uh, the 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 Byzantines. I guess in my opinion, it sort of was this. There was this period of uh, Roman history. I'm already asleep. Yeah. See, you just can't be convinced. <laughs> Keep going. They've, I'm not hearing anything sexy, though. They've made a lot of lasting contributions. You didn't talk about a war or a big culture. sexy battle. Uh, they were constantly at war with uh, <laughs> Islam and the Sassanids, uh, which would be like the successors to the Persians. Um, they they successfully like turned back um, Germanic invasions from uh turkey weren't they christian yeah they were christian yeah. constantine constantine officially became christian and so it became uh, a christian um think of it as the western roman empire is like the roman catholic church and the eastern roman empire is like eastern orthodox church huh yeah i'm not buying it i think the roman empire when it was the whole thing still way cooler a lot hey, of cool shit. I'm telling you, the Byzantines almost got it back. Aqueducts. Uh, the aqueducts. Uh, Gold coins. Olympics. <laughs> this is ancient Greece. Yeah. The Romans. Uh, a lot of other cool stuff. Romans just copied a lot of Greek things. They did. Um, you know what's interesting is that uh, as we talk about historical artifacts, uh, a lot of what we know about ancient Greek art is based on Roman copies. Roman copies have survived better That's than the Greek originals. So why did the Roman copies survive better? Uh, just because they were produced much later. Oh, younger. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, there was more, more an eye, I think, toward the preservation of it than there was of the Greek, ancient Greek culture. I just think there's something so, like, there that... that Ancient Romans is like so romanticized, you know? It's because you're Italian, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's just so much, I don't know. There's so many, like, there's a cool story about anything. Caligula, that's sexy. You don't find Justinian interesting? I don't even know what that is. Jeez Louise. So you don't know anything. Was it the ancient Greeks? No, this is Byzantines. I don't find them fucking interesting at all. Constantine. The story of Julius Caesar, they're not writing, sh Shakespeare's not writing shit about the Byzantines, Andy. He's writing about Julius Caesar. Okay. He's writing about Henry V. Where's the other? Okay. They're, they're English. I know. They're not even Roman. They could have been descended from Rome. They got around. Yeah, they did. They weren't Roman. <laughs> Boo. Thank you know you. what I'm saying, Thank though? You. Like, who's, like, I don't think you learn anything about the Byzantines until you get, like, super deep into a history course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but maybe we should. Well, you haven't convinced me yet. They made a lot of lasting contributions to like administrative, oh, historical. God. 
educational pursuit. You just use the word administration. That's such a boring word. It's important. It's a boring word. Governments are important. <laughs> they're boring. They're boring, but they're important. I want orgies. <laughs> I want cool uh, mythology and gods and demons. Sorry, they came too late. All they have is Christianity. If you don't think Christianity is cool, you're not going to think it's cool. <laughs> well, that's what I'm getting rid of, Andy. And I, I don't be wrong. Think, I don't think that you should glorify the Romans. I think that you should uh, deify the Greeks. I think that's what you really want. You is want the Greeks. I, want? I like Greek. Greek. Mythology. It's great stories. The Romans just basically co-opted We're a it. couple of thespians. They invented thespians. Yeah. Thespis. And uh, who's the goddess, god of pleasure? Dionysus. The D. Yeah. Oh, it starts with the D. No, it starts with the D, baby. You know what I'm saying? I know. Drugs. Uh, yeah, I know. Ancient Greeks are cool as hell. I'm not getting rid of the ancient Greeks. I'm not saying you should. The I'm just... phalanx. I'm just, 300 that's a sexy movie I've never seen nobody's that. making movies about the Byzantines name a movie or TV show about the Byzantines I don't know any offhand but I don't know that many movies so that's true you've seen maybe four I saw I saw Home Alone 1 <laughs> I saw The Phantom Menace <laughs> I've seen Goodfellas and that's it those are the only movies I've True. ever seen. And every Bond film. Every. No, I've never seen those. I have the DVDs, but I never saw them. You never watched them before you got rid of them. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying I think it's boring. I mean, I guess you have a point in that the word Byzantine now means like unnecessarily complex. It does. Yeah, that's a, that's just like a word. There you go. So I think I've won this argument, and I think the listeners will agree with me. Because I think I think the bulk of our listeners are cool. They're sexy as hell. They like to fucking party. You know, they like to fucking throw down and have a good time. They want to be in the Roman Empire. Oh yeah, they do. There's a small section of nerdy ones who want to go hang out in Byzantium. But I think the bulk of them. Listeners, I'm with you. You guys are cool as hell. Do you want to come party with Art? You can. <laughs> now you know, listeners. You want to party with Art? You can. Party Artie. Um, Andy, what about you? Uh, you think you get rid of anything? Did you think about this at all? Yeah, I did think about it. Uh, and I think what I would get rid of, Art, is the 1970s. <laughs> Just for the sheer audacity of it. The fashion was terrible. A lot of good films coming out in 1970. Remember, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get rid of it. What are you talking about? I'm just trying to say that. I'm going to say that it's faked. I think the the problem here is that I didn't understand the question. I think that's what we're getting at here. Listen, listen, listen. The listeners like me are cool, and they don't read the fucking rules. They don't give a shit about doing things the right way. See, you picked an era to scrub. All I did was pick a decade that I thought would be fun if I said, yeah, that's all fake. None of that ever happened. <laughs> I could see the 1970s working. I would say the <laughs> everything after 1969 never happened. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot. I mean, you know, how could you fake it? You could. Because all you had was TV. You know, you didn't have a lot of other... TV and radio. 
you 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 can you can backdoor it like the phantom time hypothesis does, where you say, "Oh, something else happened before," so it actually wasn't the 1970s, right? We were only in the 1950s at the time, or the 1910s, or something. Why the 70s? Just for the audacity of it. What's the audacity about the 70s? No, just the audacity of saying, oh, the 1970s were fake. Oh. Because there's so many people alive who lived through it. <laughs> and you'd be like, no, it's that was all made up. <laughs> None of that ever happened. Okay. <laughs> Richard Nixon, not a real person. <laughs> that would be an interesting comic book maybe. But uh, yeah, other than that, I don't know if you could uh, be an interesting alternative history comic book. I didn't realistically want to pull it off like you actually you you feel like you're about to start a petition at change.org, <laughs> change.org to to scrub the Byzantine Empire from history books. I never want to learn about it. And normally I don't have to, but I did one time in the seventh grade. I, I had to hear about it once. No, I want it dead forever. Andy, I am who I am. <laughs> you're a real Popeye. Open your mouth, close your eyes, here comes a nice surprise. Whoa, that's a good Popeye. Thanks. Oh, no. The George are saying Popeye. Popeye. That's a good Popeye. You have a good Popeye, Andy. Thanks. Job. Thank you. You accomplished something. My forearms are big because there's a tumor. Andy's got really skinny biceps and like... Huge forearms. Yeah. Yeah, I stuck my arms into a nuclear reactor. <laughs> yeah, you were there at Chernobyl. <laughs> All right, Andy. Uh, enough phantom fooling around. <laughs> I think, unless you got anything else you want to say. Uh, I support the Byzantine Empire. Fuck you, Art. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. You heard it, folks. And don't forget, Bunker's buff now. So, uh, anyway... Listeners, I think that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Andy and I are going to go get some Popeyes. Uh, for the titular Mr. Bunker, and for my macabre oh. co-host, Andy Hart. I'm Arthur Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Buff Bunker. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.